Hey guys, welcome to the Rosenswag Podcast. I'm Joseph Rosenswag, and once again, something is late. This time, only partially, because uh, life sucks. Uh, I uh, I should say that this one kind of got put back because of a number of things. First, there was uh, a hard drive getting corrupted, and then there was an SD card getting formatted, and finally I got this one recovered, but lost two of them. I'm sorry, Crenshaw White. I'm sorry, Ryan Keefe. Uh, if you want to be back on again, you're more than welcome. I feel shitty about it, and I can't really do much at the moment to make that up to you. Unless you want to record again. I'm down for that because I need some people to talk to. Anyway, on top of that, I uh, I left my shitty job. I left my shitty job with my shitty managers and the shitty owner and all the shitty shittiness. And I feel fantastic. This is my first First time I've had two days off in a row without uh, without feeling like, oh, God, tomorrow's going to suck. I start up a new job tomorrow where I have health benefits. Can you believe that? I will have insurance provided to me by a company. My goodness gracious. Uh, on top of that... Uh, I have a, I have shows coming up. I have, jeez, I have shows coming up. Can you believe that, people? I, I had shows. I'm having more. This is unprecedented times that we are living in. Uh, I got my buddy coming in from Texas next month. He just got passed at the cellar. Give it up, everyone, for Pong Dong. If you aren't aware of him, be aware. He's funny as fuck. He he is a killer comedian, and if you haven't seen him already, go out, find him. He's on YouTube and all that shit. Fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah i i got a I got an upcoming show that I'm producing with the Mayhem Comedy guys over at New York Comedy Club, August fifteenth. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be fucking amazing. It's crazy that. Uh, we were able to get that venue, especially after all the shit we went through with BMK and trying to find a place in general. Uh, I can't throw too much shade at them. It's a business. They're trying to operate it, and it's not going great. Uh, God, that was a cool venue. That was that was an awesome place to perform. Uh, yeah, I did my uh, first... Uh, First spot at Broadway Comedy Club on a Monday night at 11 p.m. to a packed room. Fucking murdered. I know it was only fucking five minutes, but I'll take it, you know? I got multiple shows coming up with uh, more time on stage, which makes me so fucking excited. I got that. I've got just so much coming up. It's crazy. Uh... I don't know if it picked up any of that, but hey, we'll, we'll live with it. I don't care right now. I'm doing great. We are finally pushing this out. We, we, I, I've been working on all this shit for way too long for it to not go anywhere. But now it's going somewhere again. I don't feel dead inside anymore. Like, I, I've actually gotten real amounts of sleep 
I have had days. It's not even the sleep that was hitting me. It was the uh, it was the fact that I couldn't get time off at all. No consecutive days off. Nothing. Every time that I would uh, come into work, it was just killing me inside. Remember, folks, a job is not worth your livelihood. It might provide you with money and I don't know what else, but if it's killing you inside, quit. Quit and go do something else. Ugh. Anywho, let's, uh, let's say uh, things are going well. We got podcasts that got interrupted again, and I feel shitty about that, but I'm not going to feel too shitty about it today because this is my first time having two days off in a row. Uh, yeah. Anyway, a uh, couple, couple things on the docket. Uh, first and foremost... There's a new page where you can check out a bunch of comedy clips and reels on Instagram called uh, Stand Uploaded. Uh, It's got a bunch of uh, folks on it. I'm going to be featured there soon. Uh, Not really a lot else going on. I this this episode is me finishing the uh, second half of the podcast that I was doing with Kitty Reynolds until I tried pulling up again and it's like this file is corrupted and it's just me uh, going oh my god no 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 and then finally got it all fixed anywho uh yeah this is me and Kenny Reynolds finishing up our podcast I hope y'all enjoy. Um, I forget. Oh, people are, people don't know what to do with the anger they feel about bad comedy that they see. Yeah. Or that's not necessarily bad comedy. That's just a bad stylistic choice, which gets deemed in someone's head as like bad comedy, right? Yeah. Whoever threw that hand was pissed. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they should be because that was the wrong joke for that room. But there are jokes that the target is on point yeah and those jokes because sometimes they uh now i'm just explaining cancel culture to people and they already fucking know it but sometimes those jokes just get under the fire because they're in the same subject and the target is fine but they're just dying from the sins of their yeah like uh fellow jokes oh yeah you know and that sucks because it's like we have to be able to talk about and throw away jokes and not throw away people, uh, right? One of the reasons why I didn't go back to the tiny cupboard for a while was because, one, I didn't open mic there, and I was talking about the neighborhood I grew up in, the fact that I was the only white person there, and it's like uh, you'd see, like, it's like Bigfoot walking down the street. No one no one knew what I was. Yeah. Once they found out I was a Jew, it's like, okay, yeah, this is a mythical creature, and I had one of the hosts tell me while they were on stage at the end of the mic like you need to not talk about other races wait what this is way back at the beginning of the cupboard wow yeah and it was just like what the fuck is happening 
on stage? Yeah. They were like on the mic. They were yeah, like, hey, and that don't. Yeah. Even though when you actually think about the craft of the joke and the composition of it, it's about Jewish yeah, it people. Well, it was like the first time I did the joke, too. So it was just like I had. It's a mic. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I I actually grew up around these people. You you moved to a neighborhood uh, that also, you don't even. The yeah. problem with that, yeah. doing it on the mic is the issue for me because if you that, really. That was what got me. Yeah, because if you have a problem with the joke, pull me aside. Let's chat. Let's talk shop. Yeah. But you're actually just performing. Yeah. You're just telling the other comedians, I'm more woke. You're just virtue signaling. It's so fucking. Yeah. And that's not fucking. Now I go back there regularly because I live seven minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. Teacups nice. is great. I do their Twitter. You do? Yeah. Ah. I'll follow you on it so I can retweet you from there. If you I have really Twitter. need to do more stuff on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you got to get like Rehad. Rehad doesn't have anything else except I know. For Twitter. That's why he's so active on it. Yeah. But he's good at it. So but it works. I mean, if it gets the views. I wished him a happy birthday on Twitter, which was fun. I never give happy birthdays out on Twitter, but that's the only place to find him. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Rehad, happy birthday. He felt fun. I don't, I don't know how he does it. Like, I really commend him. I... I want to get rid of social every day, but we need it for this fucking bullshit. It's, I mean, I didn't start using it until, like, everything started to open back up. Like, yeah. I I did not use it at all. Good for you. I was I was part of the late group to, like, Facebook and everything. So that this is a pattern for you, that you're always a late adopter to, like, to app parties? I just don't like them. Yeah. Like, I... One of the reasons why I like doing this is because it's just like, no, it's a conversation that yeah. I'm very good with online, things like that. Anything can be taken out of context. However, just like, oh, you read it differently than I said it. Fuck. Right. And I never liked that. Like, uh, even when I was in college, like I still remember uh, putting quotations around uh, salt style weapon because uh, it's AP style. Technically, it was a quote from a police officer. And it's like. You can't do that. These are assault weapons. And it's just like, that's not what it was. AP style. It's, right, it's an I'm article online. It. that I'm Right. And it's just like, I, I've i seen that happen so often where it's just like, I don't really like that. Plus, most of the time, if I like a person enough, I keep track of them. Like, right. I always have like a small, close-knit group of friends. And it's like, yeah, we text back and forth. Like, Right. Yeah. If you have the connections... The tight knit connections in your life, you shouldn't need to. Yeah, that's the thing. To like cherry pick for it from a crowd crowdsource yeah. attention, or like. But feel yeah. free to follow me. I will. I well, I follow you on Instagram. You oh, do. The yeah. listeners, sorry guys, I didn't understand. He was talking to you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, I really want to get off Instagram in particular, and I. Part of me is planning an a- exit strategy, and part of me knows that, I need it yeah but like Riyadh's doing it without it but like I don't know it just feels like email text phone everything wrapped into one for comedy it's, yeah it feels like my work I mean completely that's pretty much what I use it for yeah well you have two different Instagrams right you have the one you have a regular one or just the comedy I have the comedy one I had one for the barbecue business I one for mayhem and I have one for the podcast that's overwhelming yeah but you have to have them for every single one. Yeah. So it's like, what can you do? Also, doing like 
now every comic has to also be a video editor and yeah. producer. And like, I find myself now doing Adobe Rush and like training myself on like it's Premiere. And it's like, I had no idea this was going to be. That's also the problem with like, I don't have a lot of creative space. Partially because a lot of the shit that I'm doing is just staring at the screen, editing. There's yeah. no real room in your brain to do. It's like, okay, I need to make it look this way. I need to change the audio that way. I have to do this and I have to do that. Thing. Right. It's so rote. Yeah. That it's like, I can't, My it's like a time loop, I guess. Yeah. Whereas like when you're a kid and your day is structured for so much free thinking, you have so many funny thoughts. Yeah. You're such a goofball because you're just like, your brain has to invent cool things to think. Yeah. Crazy. Now I'm just explaining thoughts to people. <laughs> it's an explanation podcast. Yeah. Started out as food. Now it's this. What is the mission statement of the podcast? Is it? Uh, honestly, I started it because uh, I, I, I'm making inroads in comedy. I never hear anyone talk to like the beginning comics like right. a serious note about comedy is always just like goofing off things like that mm -hmm. like you never actually know like what the comics are like off stage or like yeah. what they put into the work on stage like uh when i had chris castro on we talked for three hours about like psychology and shit like that and how he was using that within his comedy and it's like interesting and there's all this stuff that's in there. You never get real records of like the people starting out doing this thing. Yeah. It, like think about like Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. So I was doing comedy and then I was like doing these giant shows. And then I was the guy headlining these giant shows. Wait, they, they miss. We have no record of the. There's like a. Open mic days, ten year, essentially. Yeah, there's a 10-year gap. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I did these shitty shows out there, and then one day, like, uh, Jamie Foxx saw me, and he's like, dude, this guy's funny. Wait, and it's they like, cut to the, the success. Yeah, and it's like there's none of the in-between. Right. Where most of this is like, yeah, we're all scraping by. We will take any stage time we can get. Like, when they say it on the podcast now, it's like, yeah, you don't have to take any stage time you can get. It's like right now I like I have done so many shows and bars. I did VFWs. I've done record shops. I have done apartments. I've done right like the first show that I really did time on. I did 47 minutes at a taco shop. I had a belly dancer open for me. The band that was supposed to come on after me got into a wreck on the highway and was waiting to be picked up by AAA. This was your first, like, real-time gig? I've been doing it for, like, six months. Right. And it's just... It's actually a sweet gig to get 47 minutes. Yeah. Doing I got paid months. 20 bucks and got free beer and tacos. Dude, that's the life. Awesome. It, it's so amazing to me. That is... I'm actually glad you brought that up because I thought I was the only one who noticed, and that was just me uh, being cocky. Because I, I'm a huge podcaster. I feel like you probably are if you fucking started one. Yeah. It's all I... I just smoke and listen to podcasts. It's my whole life. And I'm constantly listening to the top tier folks in our field. Yeah. Like, for instance, Kevin Hart's Comedy Goldmines. Great stuff about the holistic journey. But I only want to know about five years there. I want to know about 
not the first year of comedy. I can I can imagine how that that was open mics. Yeah. Okay. I want to know where you actually started to feel comfortable going around and you had friends in the scene, yeah. but you didn't think you were good yet and you were just buzzing and there was and it was your lifestyle, but there yeah. was no what else was there that like there wasn't a bigger broader pursuit except for the just getting comfortable in the scene and um that's where like i try to find comedy podcasts that are like people in like a tier above me because then they usually don't even have that frame of reference yet to get too far to the now like they're the past is so so much closer up yeah um that you actually get to hear about it and there's more applicable advice applicable applicable whatever you want to say but the only person who I was listening to who actually didn't skip that part was, and I could talk about this all fucking day because you probably, like, Yvonne Orgy, who I was listening to, who is on Insecure for the listeners who who don't know yeah. who she is. Um, she actually was like, I was, you know, she talked about the beginning stuff and then she was like, and then I moved to D.C. and I was sitting at an open mic and someone, the host of the open mic said like, I'm trying to give this room away who wants to run it. And yeah. she raised her hand. That is the kind of fucking scene that actually, those are the millions of scenes that build to your actual career. I, mean, like, I uh, want to know those tiny cupboard. Uh, I hosted there for like four or five months, uh, because they didn't have anyone. I was just doing a bunch of spots there. Uh, laughing Buddha, the slum that it is. Uh, I, I run like the Saturday 5:30 mics and there's like 30 audience members, 30 comics and it's like yeah, I yeah. that that is getting me so much more than I ever expected from that. Right. But, and you'll have to remember to make it a beat on a podcast story or like yeah. or maybe we just need to do better when we are in those positions where we're actual celebrities and we're like doing the forensics on our career and we we just have to hold each other accountable to like, no, tell me about that hard part that like is really boring. Okay. So I struggle with depression and most yeah. of the time when I was like not on stage, just going, I'm not funny. Everything I'm writing is dog shit. And yeah. then I go on stage and say the dog shit things. And one person goes, dude, that was really funny. I didn't believe them. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's the, the time enti- capsule. Yeah. 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 That's it. And then I didn't get paid for anything. If I did, it was usually food or drinks and, like okay, I'll take them. I'm not, I'm not really trying to drink right now, but I'll have a free beer because technically it's food. It's a grocery in the state of New York, so I'll have that. And then I go home, and then I look at my notes and listen to a recording of myself, and go, God, I I suck, but I got booked. I got booked. Someone liked me. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. So uh, future us, if you're listening yeah. to this, that is the accurate depiction. That Joe just recounted. That's what we're doing right yeah. now. That's exactly our lives um, for future self. That's what we're doing. Uh, Hopefully I won't forget about. I mean. Or maybe co- I will. Forget. My coworkers like uh, asked me like, are you doing anything tonight? And it's just like I'm doing the show. I'm going to this mic. I'm going to that mic. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing that thing. I, I've had a few people just straight up ask me. It's like, do you do like anything much outside of comedy? It's like. 
No, no, this is what I'm trying to do with my life. Right. Yeah. I try to think of it as like med school or law school yeah. with the squeeze that we're in, right? Or like in the beginning phase when Have it's. Have you ever watched Crashing? Yes. Yeah, I was just like, this is like Dude. med school. This is like becoming, you're not becoming a doctor. Yes. <laughs> okay. You're not going to save lives with <laughs> dick jokes. Crashing? Actually, <laughs> crashing is the timepiece that we're talking about. I see, I wanted it to be, but. It very quickly diverts. It it does. I. It does quickly get to him having success. Yeah. Pre- and too seamlessly. Yeah. Right? Like he goes with Allie, if I'm remembering, because I haven't watched it probably since last year. Um, it's been about six, seven months for me. Yeah. So he like goes with Allie and she kind of like introduces him to like the real world of like indie shows. Yeah. Right? And then like magically once he discovers indie shows then he like gets the key to it yeah but it's like that's not even still relevant i would think if anything it could be the opposite like you could start off doing indie shows and then be like wait people are doing bringers like what the fuck is that and then you hit the club scene i get but no i guess i did more club and then did i don't know i was back and forth but Crashing is a decent enough timepiece, but you're right. It just kind of escalates too quickly. I mean, it's also the fact they have. Do you really want to watch five seasons of him doing nothing? I wouldn't watch this season of my life. Like if this was a season of I I always talk about my life in like episode like show seasons. Okay, I'm glad I'm not. I'm not that weird. You do it too. Yeah, I like I'm like, okay, this is season. What season four is me doing this like Whatever, let's say this is like season, let's say in the age of your life, my season 27 is like boring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm recently sober. You know what I mean? Just walking yeah, around the world. to getting there. It's fucking sucks. Like, it I'll, isn't, it is. Oh, it's like, yeah. How many, like I look at like how much I've had to drink for the least. Like, I had three beers. Shit, I had a lot this week and it's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing about is when you're trying to cut back. Yeah. And you're like, and I don't know what your relationship with alcohol is, but I was in a phase of trying to moderate. Yeah. Yeah. I guess all comics are sober or alcoholic or on their way to one or the other. Um, My relationship was such that it was like, I knew like I was a catastrophic blackout and it was like just three drinks and it was a trap door. And it was like, okay, now, like it was funny when I was single and I was because I was always like a clown. Yeah. It was funny to my friends and I got a lot of attention that way. And then like when I have a boyfriend who's like, I have to report to him yeah. how I got home. It's like, that's not funny anymore. Like yeah. if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, it's, it's fucking fine. Yeah. You got home safe and you woke up with your makeup on and who cares. But like when you have loved ones involved. And so like the drink, was getting more and more catastrophic, but I was like, I pulled back and yeah. I was moderating like well enough to like feel not, as controlled or as compulsive with yeah. it, let's say. Not that I was super like a daytime drinker or anything like that, um, but like mine was more binge drinking. So, right. uh, yeah, like yeah. I feel like that's the new sort of form of alcoholism too. Is like people our age are more have issues with binge drinking, less of like I'm doing it in the day to get by. Like yeah. it feels like just culturally it's shifted a little. Um, but I don't know. I don't have the fucking data. I'm not a fucking whatever. Know. Either way, the people can go off in the comments. Let the bots go. It'll help the algo. Um, Do it. But uh, relationship was such that started moderating. And then I would prove to myself after two, three months, I was like, 
I've gone weeks without blacking out. I'm yeah. great. And then I would let myself be like goofy with it. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm cured. I'm fine. And then I would do it again. See, that I'm at that stage right okay. now. Yeah, where it's that's like, a hell I, place. I realize where I'm at, where it's like I'll go like two, three weeks, and then it's just like, okay, awesome. Then I'll have like four days where I just booze. Right. And it's just like, okay, this is an issue. Right. Yeah. And the, the problem is, too, is that's not the way alcoholism or if you need to stop, the portrait of someone who needs to stop in quotation marks is like, you're drinking at 10 a.m. and you just can't stop. And it's like, but if you're if you can hold it down and then you just yeah. party on a bender, that's socially acceptable and you're fine. So yeah. people don't there's almost it's harder to find the health boundary for yourself to say this is bad enough where I need to stop if you're in the phase when you're like being kind of okay with it. It's yeah. like makes it worse. It like trips you out. Yeah, yeah, because you're out of your element now. You don't know what yeah. you're doing and it's just like, oh, well, no, I'm I'm fine now. Right. And it's like, I, like part of me already knows that it's like, oh, no, it's going to be three days of me just like, after I finish everything for the day, I'm going to have seven beers right. in like an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. I'm just going to fucking hammer it. Like, because yeah. that's also like, I could never, I was never able to relate to someone who didn't drink to blackout either. Like, I just thought it was easier to have Jesus take the wheel on a night of socialization. See, I, I've only been blackout drunk twice. Uh, one time was Halloween, and I was chugging, like, Everclear and Gatorade. That'll do it. Uh, that was, like, sophomore year of college. I was going to say, that sounds like a college combo. Yeah. It, like, that. that's what it is. I was dressed up as Macho Man Randy Savage, and I bought... Entire thing of Slim Jims and started throwing them at people on the street, selling stuff into a Slim Jim. That's a and formula for blacking out. Yeah, That's but there was that, and I remember I got roofied at a bar. There was this, uh, like, hot girl sitting next to me. Uh, she went up to go to the bathroom. I oh went no. up to go to the bathroom. It was like summertime in a college town. No one else was really there, so we didn't worry about it. And I go back, I have my drink. It's the first drink I've had that day. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And then it's just like, very close. My tab was about to go home. But I just have moments of me getting home. Like just, doot, doot. Oh, doot. yeah, you were drugged. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's so fucking it's, scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's blacking out is fucking scary. We gloss over it because it's like yeah. normal for people our age. It's not normal no. like it, we should not be losing hours of our life that consistently yeah yeah or you didn't but i did like i i do i'm starting because i'm i think i'm 100 days sober now congrats so i'm still thank you but i'm still early yeah. you know what i mean i'm still not so i'm still going back and doing the forensics on everything and i'm just like i lost hours of memory yeah like now i'm it's almost painful to think about but i do have to dig there and stay in that place um uh, but it's like Holy shit. Like, because that shame keeps me from going back to it. But it's like, get you really the, lost some hours see, of your life. See, my thing is, is that some of the things I'm still proud of, like, uh, I remember one time my buddy was getting a government job on four. So for 420, instead of smoking, uh, we were drinking. Yeah. So he has like seven shots. We're doing the dumbest game possible. Yu-Gi-Oh drinking first season. <laughs> we have rules and everything. If they have a card that you had as a kid, you have to drink. If they say this line, you have to drink. Da, da, da. And so he's, we're 20 minutes in. He's seven shots in. 
so are the rest of us. But so he falls. Also, asleep. when you're hanging out with your friends in that setting, you tend yeah. to I tend to get drunker because my yeah. guard's down. I'm like, oh, I can just get fucking blasted. That's actually a bit that I'm working on right now. I like individuals. I don't like groups. I've never gotten blackout drunk by myself. <laughs> but yeah, we by the end of the night, uh, he's passed out. My other buddy is blackout drunk. And luckily, he lives in an apartment like three doors down, so he just goes to bed. Yeah. And then it's me and my other buddy. I get up. This is in like two hours and 45 minutes or so. I'm at 25 drinks. He's at 27. And it's like, part of me just goes, we survived that. Right. There is a point of pride for men around the the consumption of it. Yeah, the, and it's terrible, but it's there. It's like, I looked up what my BAC was supposed to be. It's like, I should be in the hospital. 24 drinks? 25? Yeah. My buddy got 27. We're keeping track with uh, a Sharpie. You should be dead. That's an insane... How many hours do you think? Uh, I was fine the next day. I went to the gym and everything. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. How old were you at this Uh, point? Let's see. I was like 23. Okay, 23, you could power through that kind of drinking day. I mean, my party trick used to be the amount that I could drink, so. Irish, Czech, Austrian, Russian. It's right in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's right in... Well, you're gonna... I think the thing with sobriety is not... um, And I don't know if your ultimate goal is sobriety at the end of the day, but I think the problem, too, is parting with that version of yourself. That's it right there. It's not parting with the drink. It's parting with, like, that level of not care, the carefreeedness that that you could experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I miss her sometimes. You know, I'm like, I don't, uh, I'll never be able to get that level of enthusiastic on a dime again. Yeah, like exactly. on at the one drink in you, boom, you're able to transport yourself to a place of I don't care, which that sucks to be able like, oh, I won't ever meet her that yeah. that immediately carefree version. Exactly. But, but I'll be able to access her just in general more often because I'm less anxious and I'm yeah. less worried about all my mistakes the night before. But like in general, I don't have that party version of me, I guess. Yeah, that kind of sucks. But I guess she's growing back. Like, I just have to go to parties sober and, like, yeah. I'll learn how to do it. See, that's my thing. I Like, when I hang out, it's always a drink. Right. It's like, it feels silly not to. Like, that's why I keep fucking, I hope my mom isn't listening to this, why I keep fucking vaping. Because part of it is, like, when I am socializing and I'm not drinking, I get so fucking fidgety. It's like, what, what yeah. else are you going to do? I, like. Also trying to quit the nicotine I used to smoke. Like, I smoked for a better part of a decade. Okay. And, like, I have, like, lollipop sticks in my backpack right now so I can just chew on those and fidget with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's so funny. I wrote down today in my free write. You want a couple of those? I Yeah, sure. Let's do <laughs> yeah, it. I have, I have them in my bag right now. I That's for listeners. We're going to suck on some pops. Um. I literally wrote down in my free write today. I was like, I got to start buying lollipops to, like, keep... It's not even that. It's just the stick. Just, just the stick? Yeah. Wait, that's so... Yeah, like a toothpick, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Except you don't get splinters. My, uh, my grandfather used to have, like, a tin of mints. Like, those old school, you know, peppermint hard candies. Yeah. And I... We had them... Oh, oh wait, it's not open. I won't open it. Um, 
smart. Be my guest. Really? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, uh, they literally came in last night. I just shoved them in my bag for today before I left home. Okay, for the listeners, they're called treat sticks, technically. And they're literally just lollipop sticks. I have no idea. They're going to open. Do it. Nah, whatever. Um, they're a prop now. They're I, a prop no one can see. I keep uh, flossers. Yeah. I keep those near my desk for like for the same purpose, but it's hard because then you actually should probably floss, and then I just yeah. end up chewing on them. See, like my mom has like the vape used to be cigarettes. My dad has the uh, pipe smoke cigars out of it, and it's just like, no, that's part of the culture. Yeah, it's yeah. just a thing. I do fear with vaping, though, we don't know the consequences. Oh, God, no. There's boop. That's the problem is I put this pressure on myself to quit, but I don't even know why I'm quitting because I don't even know yeah. how it's going to go down. I would be so mad if like I quit and then like 20 years from now it's revealed, oh, no, it's actually there are no health risk. Right. Nothing. And then I'm like, wait, I was just doing that to myself for what? Yeah. Or in the event that we are amidst an apocalypse, too. That's always the my other Jekyll and Hyde brain is like, Kit, either everything matters or doesn't matter. Yeah. And in this place that I'm at right now, I'm like, we really could be heading toward a doesn't matter yeah. world where like we really are just going to a World War Three and maybe we should just have fun. There are TikToks about this. This isn't like, you know, oh, yeah, it's a yeah. popular thing of like, where are we at, guys? What should we be doing? Should we be getting better or getting worse? I mean, we're in the roaring 20s, so. Yeah. Did this get you off of cigarettes? This? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it did have a net good for you still. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, oh, I was fine before, and this is fucked me up. Not fucked me up. Yeah. I just get in a place where I do it all day, yeah. and I smoke after I do it yeah. and I'll just get in a loop and then I'm smoking too much. So it's not even this in itself. It's the fact that I pair it with getting high all day. Yeah. I like go up and down and up and down because this makes me jittery. Like, I mean, I'm already over caffeinated as fuck. Like, yeah. I work at an Italian restaurant that has espresso and it's just like, I'm chugging that shit. You have to be to work at a restaurant. I mean, you really have to be, Going at a, a cocaine level of speed. Uh, I mean, typically. It, like, I've been working in food on and off since I was like 15, around the same time I started smoking, so. Oh, so, yeah. I did. I started smoking before I started working in food, I should say that. My first job, and it was a job in food. Actually, should I have you guess what my first job was? Uh, host. Okay, no, I worked at Subway. Subway restaurants, yes, yeah. for everyone, that is the beloved sandwich chain. Uh, so I am a sandwich artist. Yeah. Uh, but I was 15, and I was just, like, so... Better than my first job, so... What was yours? Uh, I was a janitor at a zoo. Oh, my God. That's the dirtiest place you could so clean. Spring Break, Fort Worth Zoo. It's considered the number two zoo in the U.S. after the San Diego one. Wednesday so, is half price day. Over 30,000 people. 30 th that's a zoo even without yeah. the animals. Yeah. That's a... People broke down. I would. Yeah. You're just cleaning up elephant shit? No, no, not elephant shit. People. 
people would shit. Thankfully, not the bathrooms everywhere else. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I come from a line of janitors. Actually, only one, my grandfather. Yeah. Wait, that's... Okay, Subway was fine. <laughs> Subway was fucking fine. I was like... It, it was... um, Food is an important... I really can only relate to people that have worked difficult part-time jobs and full-time jobs. If you have never worked in food or retail, I probably don't... You don't have the demeanor where we're going to have a lot in common. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like... I have to know that you have powered through that level of abuse yeah. for me to know that you're a worthwhile textured person, I typically. Mean, I, like I've worked pretty much every job at a restaurant at this point. Everything except for owner and general manager. That sounds like every job. Yeah. What has been your favorite? Uh, Busboy. Just because it's quick and easy? I, I didn't have to do shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the, uh, I don't know, I do, I look back at the 15-year-old me working at Subway, and I'm like, that was the easiest fucking gig you ever had. Yeah. But it felt like the hardest, because physically, it was like, I guess the most, um, it was the first time you're like, having other people ask something of you in a very, in an efficient way, besides like, fucking homework. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, people's are actually needing things from me. Yeah. So, I actually forgot where I was going with that train of thought. But, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's the physical level of, like, that you need to do. Like, there was no air conditioning, and you're like, toasting this is going to sound to people who have actually difficult jobs they're going to be like haha but like you're toasting hot ass fucking sandwiches it's hot in there there's no fucking air conditioning the turkish guy who i work with would bring you know like his name was sadar i i'm being uh what's the word xenophobic he would bring pigeons into the kitchen and he would have them hang out in the kitchen in like a box in the back like it was a very like uh because i guess subway what's the word it's like franchises so yeah, like yeah, they're so yeah. independent so like the woman Weiwei, who ran and i used to call her subway way as a joke yeah um she like ran such a just like um a, she didn't really give a fuck she was just super frugal yeah. so she really didn't care as long as the inspector wasn't there she didn't give a fuck that there were pigeons in the kitchen even though i cared because i was serving people food and i was like what if like i get someone sick like i could live with this but anyway like literally bird fl- like that is something that could fucking yeah. happen like their feces like that's literally i'm gonna get that poor subway shut down <laughs> um wait wait i'm subway sorry uh, she, she was great um but uh it was so like bizarre uh but it was like and again i forgot where i was going with this train of thought but it was uh a necessary experience for a young white girl to go through it's like no you you just have to grind tuna in your hands and they have to smell like fish for 48 hours because you need money. Yeah. You know, like that's how it's it, sorry. You need fucking cash. You're gonna have to grind the tuna. Yeah, I, it's weird. Like the higher up I've gotten in kitchens, except for when I was a kitchen manager. Like right now, like I'm in a position where the hardest part of my day is the fact that I open up the place. 
that I'm up there early in the morning. But it's like, right now I'm trying to uh, figure out how to make a really great chai latte <laughs> that's from your scratch. <laughs> like, that that's where I'm at right now. Like, I legitimately can't complain about how hard it is because they're trying to make me the uh, full-time manager of their to-go location. And it's just like, okay. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just like. Would you get more money? Yeah. And it's just like, okay. You do uh, keep getting promoted with them. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, we have to make sure the chocolate chip cookies taste okay, everybody. <laughs> Fine. Right. Yeah. It's like harder and it is at the same time low stakes. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, it's such a community staple, the place I work at. Like, it's going to be open no matter what. Yeah. That's a good position to be in because restaurants obviously don't always have that luck. And you could be at a place that's like needs people in it. It it does need people. I There's a couple of comics who are probably going to be working there very soon. Really? Yeah. Who? Uh, Can you say it? Denim has his first. Oh, yeah. You told yeah, me yeah. that. Denim DeMac, who's been on here a couple of times, has his. First trail on Tuesday, and I'm training him. Congrats, Denim. Yeah. Tell us how it goes. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Two comics. I, I'm really hope. Well, I mean, the entire front of house staff is, uh, we have, like, want to be actors, comics, comics now with Denim, uh, musicians, and it's just like, yeah, I'm, uh. I'm amongst people who are like me, but because of what they're doing, I hate all of them. It's like, yeah, acting is kind of bullshit, man. <laughs> You're having other people write your lines for you. Right. Which is what I think, but it's like, I can't tell these people that. Right, because we're the same. Yeah, like, yeah. It's the exact same thing. Right. You're chasing a fever dream. You yeah. Moved, you moved here because you're chasing an idiotic dream that we all really want to work out. Right. Yeah. That's, that is the irony of it all, too. It's like you judge we judge people in the same position of different disciplines and they're looking yeah. at us the same exact way of like, there's no shot in hell you're winning an American Idol. It's like yeah. they're looking at, there's no way you're going to be Kevin Hart. Like just, yeah. why are you doing it? I mean, that is the sickness of it all. Oh yeah, it's terrible. But it's also wonderful. But like, especially yeah. right now, I'm realizing how low the stakes are. Like, technically I'm three years in, but it's like the less of a shit that I give while still like working really hard at it like the the better. better it is yeah the more you can depersonalize or like separate yourself from the outcome yeah but still move at a pace where you're completing projects and like hitting marks is yeah. like the sweet spot to be in it's like this month like this month this week i did seven shows so it's just like oh yeah i'm doing all right right you're like i'm booked like I don't need that anxiety. Yeah. Like I have the spots. Now it's just sinking in to yeah. it and just like being apathetic about each one of them. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. As long as you get a laugh, it's good. Right. If you don't get a laugh, you know what the subway track times are. You know when to hop. Yep. Yep. And thinking about it as something that's like, just like the weather or like it's gravity. What goes yeah. up must come down. Every bomb for every bomb. There's an equal and opposite kill. I mean, I just around the corner like a month ago, I absolutely murdered at 
a fucking open mic of all things. <laughs> and it's like, this was, this was like the best set that I had that week. And then I stayed for the late mic there and ate so much shit that it's just like, I had another comic come up to me and it's like, it's not all bad, man. <laughs> and it's just like, did you just see me wistfully look at that bus that passed by? <laughs> did you see me consider my entire career in that one flash yeah. of my eyes? That's uh, that's so funny, too, because you can't even say to him, like, I just killed before. You should have seen it. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's worse. You What's can't. even worse is he was there for that. <laughs> you did the early one and the late one. And it's just like, oh. And he was still like, mm. Joe's upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't wash this one off. Yep. That's so fucking funny. Yeah, you got to wash it off. Oh, yeah, every time. Every time. That's when you go, like, I'll go to another mic after. Yeah. And you're like, I'll just go to another one after. Like, it gets addicting in that way. I mean, outside of the last couple of weeks when we were, when we're opening the restaurant, like, second location, it's just, like, I was doing, like, four or five a day. Wow. That's a pretty good, pretty good clip. Yeah. Four or five day. It wasn't every day, but it was like yeah, three four days out of the week. It's like I hit like four or five mics, and it's like okay, we removed one line. We're making progress. Yeah, isn't that funny? The littlest tweaks are the most important. And yep. every time I look at my jokes, I want to completely overhaul them. And it's like no, just the one word. Uh, like a one of the easiest ways to get people to laugh up here is just one line that I have that used to be like three and it's just like I'm a Jew from Texas which means that now that I'm here there are no Jews there and it's like okay they like me instantly yeah and it's just for me it's such a shitty throwaway line yeah it's just like I ought it's like I got the audience on my side now we're making progress that's a good opening line it also gives them about you like it contextualizes yeah. them completely i feel like there's people choose to either or i don't know there's more than these options but i feel like typically the pattern of opening lines is the situational like yeah. the we're all here at this restaurant tonight yeah. the the looks one the i know i look like a guy who's gonna rob you but and then there's like the here's where I'm from thing, which right now I'm doing the here's where I'm from. And I want so badly to have a, a phenotype joke of like, I know I look like poor man's Haley Bieber, but blah, blah, blah. But I can't fucking do it. Like I, I've been trying so hard and I can't think of anything. And I was talking to a comic about this and they were like, maybe you're just, not that comic. Like, maybe you just can't fucking do it. I mean, I've actually had to change mine since it's like, I'm dressing a little bit better. I, uh, I've lost weight. I can't do these jokes anymore. Yeah. Because it's like, I, like, when I first started doing comedy, I could do, like, bits about the fact that I look old. Because, like, I've looked like this since I was 15. I haven't (laughs) aged. I, I can show you my driver's license. Same picture was on my permit. Born looking responsible. Yeah. Like, I've looked like this for over a decade now. It <laughs> I have sounded the proof. The same. Yeah. But it's just like, it used to be like, I know I look like a divorcee. I know I look like a divorcee who's not allowed to see his kids. I look like 
I don't want to see my kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, can't do that anymore. I actually look halfway decent most of the time. And right. it's like, oh, yeah, it's like my pants and clothes fit finally. Like right. After, and it's like, ah, fuck me. It's like the premise becomes non-existent. Oh, now the joke is I talk about like going on a date in high school and just like, you know that first kiss, lean in, you think this is what love is. <laughs> and then some guy walks by and sees him and goes, gross. Because <laughs> you don't want to see a grown-ass man with a child. <laughs> so you repurposed yeah, like, the idea Yeah, like I had to you. move everything around in it. Yeah, but I'm glad you got to keep it because that's yeah. good. That's really funny that you've looked old your whole life. Yeah. It's probably worked out. You probably got to be the guy to buy beer in high school. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I I remember going to a bar one time in college. I was like 17, 17, 18, 18, yeah. And some guy bought like a round for like all eight people who were there, including me. They didn't even question it. It was just like. That's kind of, that's dope. Yeah, people thought I was like a TA in college. <laughs> That it's funny because usually it's like people get mad about looking young yeah. when they're young, but you probably did get a little bit angry, did you? Or was I that mean, cool at that point? Because you're like, I'm, I look old. Like, it worked out for me because uh, I was in like the film and performing arts thing, and I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of uh, daddy issues, and I kind of weaseled my way into that. Ooh. Nice. You I have realized like a maturity what, factor. Yeah, I realized what was happening there. It's like I, I'll live with this. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the funny play too. Yeah. So you're coming in as like mature zaddy with humor. Yeah, that was pretty much the one thing I had. Chef's kiss. Yeah. I mean, my dad's looks like he's looked like he was in his sixties since he was in his forties. <laughs> he has a big mustache, big eyebrows, just the hair right there. It's like, yeah, he looks like everyone's grandfather or abuelo, uh, what have you. He's so ethnically ambiguous, he fits everything. Just generic old guy. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly tanned skin. Okay, he could be any race, any group of people. That's... Wait, what is your mom... Do you look like your mom then? Uh, Not really. I look like uh, my uncle. Okay. Like her uh, older brother, except shrunk down because... All of the people except for my mom are like six and a half feet tall. That's how it always works for height. It's like there's a, a huge tall family and then all of a sudden it's like whatever genes happen. It just I, I don't know what stops. happens. Her twin brother is six three. She's five four. And your dad is tall? Uh, or? Five six, five seven. Yeah. I'm taller than both of them. Wow. Yeah. I hope my kids are going to be taller than my boyfriend and I because he's a short king. <laughs> he's 5'7", which I actually would argue. Some people argue that's not even short king, but I still consider anything below 5'8 to me is short king because the as- the average is 5'8". So I feel like, therefore... Where is the average 5'8"? Apparently the average male... In the world or in America? Because I know it's not America. <sighs> Could be the world. Because I know the average height in Mexico, like I used to joke in uh, high school, like I'm above average height for most of the people here. Just like yeah. half Mexican school, it's like, yeah, I'm 5'8". I'm a giant. 
Right. Average height in Mexico is like five seven, five six, and it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm tall here. Then, like, I go out into the real world. No, no, I'm not. Go to a family reunion. I'm talking to shirt pockets. <laughs> That's so you just have to hire uh, Mexican people to follow you around. Pretty much. That are shorter than you. I used to pay them in uh, high school, just like five dollars, five dollars, right. five dollars. Just stand here for scale, so yeah. I can look to <laughs> short king spring. Yeah. I, yeah, I really hope that my kids can break through our short jeans because I'm five four. That's not. My dad is like six foot. I don't think that's enough to really give them any blessed tallness. But I mean, with my luck, either my kids in the future are gonna be fucking midgets, or it's like he he's on the Lakers now, not because of skill. He's just seven feet tall. Yeah, we don't know where yeah. he come from. Like he's a mutant, but yeah. yeah, it's it's one or the other. It's like freak of nature, or like we'll look just like. I him. mean, my uncle is he comes up to my shoulder. Uh, he has a kid who is, he played college basketball. Tall. Very. Maybe like, at least 6'5". Yeah. He, Jeez. I mean, my mom's side of the family, all of them are giants. Good Czech blood running through them. Can I talk about something, though? Yeah. I do think the women's fixation on tall men as a, like... And I don't think I'm bringing up something people don't know. Oh, my God. This is going to be so controversial. This is going to be so controversial. It actually might be. I feel... Okay. There is such an obsession with the tall man. Yeah. It Just culturally. That's not even fully women's fault. It's like a lot of it is anthropological. Like a lot of it is just like um, the way we react, our primal reactions well, like to people of certain... like large breasts. Right, like, exactly. Okay, you can feed and... Give right. birth to children. Certain parts of us yeah. are si- like are wired to believe that you can provide a certain resource yeah. if you have a certain physical thing, just right? A little thing in our brain going. Boop, 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 yeah, that's just the primal fucking caveman brain. And so, okay, I can't fault women completely for having some level of, let's say, there's an anthropological thing to it. Um, but More nutrients stronger, taller, have stronger offspring, all that. Right, but there the cultural element to me of women wanting a taller guy is to me sort of at fault. So this is a crazy radical statement. Okay. This is really radical. I think it could be contributing to a lot of the, what feels like anecdotally a little bit of a dating crisis where a lot of people in big cities are saying like, I can't meet someone like they're or when they want to meet someone, yeah. they're saying I can't meet someone like not that everyone that's monogamy is not always the goal. Yeah. Um, but when people are like, I really want a boyfriend, but like, or I want a girlfriend. And like, it's just, I feel like a lot of women are completely filtering all of their options based off of height. And then they want to be like, I can't find a good guy. It's like, you just can't find a good guy over six foot. I don't believe you. Like there are, I'm sure that you have short kings who are you are looking the other way from because you have this cultural fixation on height and i want and this is completely radical and like i have no basis for this right i just think it's if if people gals gays and theys anyone looking for a top yeah anyone who's looking for a masculine you know partner i think should try to override 
parts of them that are obsessed with hype. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing with guys, I think. What, just across the board, it's like... Anything physical, all, I guess, well, yeah, right? Well, especially with all the like access we have to see like the most beautiful people in the world. Right. The most stunning human beings to exist. And we can see that every day. And it's like, I deserve that. Yes, because you think because it's on the small screen and not the big screen, yeah. and because our friends are grouped in with them yeah. on these apps, it's like they feel accessible to us. Yeah. So why would a guy in New York City, let's say a guy who's like the classic, let's say bro guy who doesn't settle down, right? Yeah. Why would they settle down if they believe that they could have that influencer on Instagram? Exactly. If they believe it's one DM away, why would you ever stop searching? Yeah. Why I mean, would you date the girl in real life? Who's good enough? <laughs> uh, like, uh, there, there's this concept I have, you know, like the scale of one to ten, like how hot someone is. Right. The, there's this thing that people need to accept. It's not a straight line. It's a fucking bell curve. Mm. All the majority of human beings are so fives. true. It's not it's not that like, oh, I'm a seven. It's like, no, you're you're maybe a five point seven, but you're still a five. Right. That's the majority of people. And it's like there's a very like it is like people you would consider like a 10 that's point oh 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 one right and because you can see them yeah so frequently your brain thinks they're yeah. like 25 percent of the universe yeah exactly and that they are at your fingertips and yeah it creates a world where i think people's taste maybe that's what it is people's yeah. taste is like at odds with the actual demographic layout of their options yeah it's like, okay, there is also the sense of, like, um, do do women or, or – not women. I don't want to be completely heteronormative here. Like, uh, can people – I guess we'll see over time. Yeah. I guess that's what my real thing is. Like, if if height is a culture thing – and not an anthropological predisposition to wanting that, I, then we'll see it change over time. I feel like it's, uh, I think it might be more anthropological. Like yeah. it's just like spurred on more because of the whole cultural thing. But like you look back at like uh, who like the ancient rulers and stuff like that were, except for like some of the inbred kings. It was typically like they're tall, they're strong. Uh, right. They like, the look alpha at, man. Yeah, like classically. Uh, look at like uh, King Henry. He's like okay, so he is involved with sports. Like the thing that ruined his life was the fact that he got hurt in a jousting accident in his forties. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's that's the issue there. Like that's right. That was his downhill slide. Like he got grievously injured. Yeah. Otherwise, like yeah, he was uh, way into sports. He was. Like, he fought in wars, he was tall, he was strong, all that stuff. He, right. It's like, yeah, that that's what everyone was going for. That's, like, what a man is supposed to be, and it's like... Right. That's true. Like, there are, I guess now that I'm fleshing out the theory, yeah. it does feel more anthropological, because there are also, like, the situations where, or other examples in society where, like, the president, usually the person who wins the presidential election is the taller candidate. Yeah. Except, actually... The last election might have been the first exception with I mean, Biden. 
but arguably they're, they're it's both all old an exception. And slowly shrinking, so yeah. it's more of a race of gravity than anything else. <laughs> whose uh, spine can stay yeah, taller longer is really, yeah. Whose discs aren't getting crushed yeah. first, but yeah, I guess that it's more like okay. I guess the it's not a theory so much as it is a recommendation of like I know y'all want the the tallest guy you can find. I know that that feels like the achievement of it all. But you really want the person who loves you. And that could be a short king. And open your heart. And this is Love Line with Dr. Drew. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Walk 97.5. This is Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> the There's this grocery store by me, Mr. Kiwi. And they always have that on at night. I, I love Delilah. It, like after a long day hearing that voice while I'm grabbing like uh, just like odds and ends at like midnight, it is one of the most reassuring things. Yes, I'm almost home. It's comforting. I have something to eat. She has a soothing voice. You find yourself in the back of an Uber, two in the morning. Delilah's yeah. on. You're like, I'm home. Yeah, I'm I'm where I need to be. It's either that or if they ever bring back. Uh, a Prairie Home Companion on NPR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk about Diane Reams. Talk about classic voices. I don't know if you were an NPR backseat I, NPR I kid. I grew up on it. Yeah. You look like one. I, I was also. Yeah. Not look like. You feel like one. Because yeah, I know I you are like to know. But yeah. yeah. It, Diane Reams was, Yeah. I think, my first, let's say, Delilah. Like a radio yeah. voice that is like reassuring. It was... Uh, Prairie Home Companion and Click and Clack the Tappet Brothers. <laughs> I, or Car. Did you uh, Car Talk? Yeah, that was Click and Clack. Is that Click and Clack? Yeah. Wow, I have no fucking actual real knowledge about it. I Just used to listen to, to that with my dad every weekend. There was that, and then with my mom was, wait, wait, don't tell me the NPR yes. News Quiz. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Science Friday. Yeah. On NPR that we used to complain as kids. We'd be like, don't put on Science Friday. Like, it's so boring. You it's like, I'm grateful to have liberal parents now. Do you know what the most boring thing on there is? Away with words. Yes. My dad loves that show. I mean, all the shows are good, but some more boring than others. Oh, yeah. But, well, I this American Life. The... Or how do you feel about this American Life? It varies. Okay. Yeah. I. It's not always on the money. No. But Ira Glass is such a also voice crush for Hi, me. This is Ira Glass. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I used to, like when I was on the radio at my college, I used to do impressions and get in trouble for it. I was, there, there's a sign hanging up at KNTU right now that says, do not do the NPR voice <laughs> because of me. Wait, can you do, say, from... WBEZ Chicago. From WBEZ Chicago. It's, <laughs> wait, wait, don't tell me the NPR News Quiz. I'm Carl Castle, and here's your host, Peter Sagal. <laughs> Let me try to do This is Diane Reams and our next guest coming. That's actually mean to make fun of her because <laughs> she had like a throat yeah, issue. Yeah, throat <laughs> she had like cancer. esophageal cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- if you're listening to the, is she still alive, right? I don't know. I feel like she is. I feel like she is because her retirement was like recent. Yeah. In the last few years. And I think we would have heard wind. I remember my buddies and I were doing a bit about uh, the 
about car talk when one of the uh, hosts died a few years ago. Oh, don't, that was so sad. Well, we all grew up on it, and it was just like, don't drive like my brother, because he's dead. <laughs> yeah, we did the... Uh, so one of my friends from college and now, uh, craziest family in the world, like... They make Shameless look normal. I was just going to say compared to Shameless. So, like, his dad got COVID after having a stroke. Ended up in the hospital, got COVID there. Was also uh, detoxing from meth, coke, uh, just handfuls of pills uh, and booze all at the same time. Jesus Christ. They were an NPR home. Very progressive. Uh, Like We'd love uh, to see it. He used to call... Like, uh, he had done some time in prison, things like that. But he also called his, like, every friend who was not white, he called them by their racial slur. <laughs> the preferred one. <laughs> like, he had a half Mexican, half black one. And depending on the day of the week, it was a different one. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> but we did that joke nearby him one time. And he's like, don't you dare talk about them that way. <gasps> it was just amazing because it was just this flip immediately, like. He's been so listening funny. to them since they were first on NPR. It's just like this real emotional moment. It's like, I've seen this guy. Like the first time I met him, he offered me a can of bush and uh, weed. Like, I'd known him for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And then he's like, you want to throw axes in the backyard? <laughs> the The sneaky liberal. Yeah. If you will. Which... I think um, there are more of than meets the eye. I think there are more sneaky, heteronormative liberal men out there. Yeah, but the thing is, is that if he was his liberal self, say, in Brooklyn, he would be murdered by the uh, woke Gestapo. Right. Yeah, right. The the woke Gestapo still doesn't like Dak Shepard. You know what I mean? Like, it's still... Oh, it's just like... I... Like, I make jokes about like how terrible like i had a whole like the uh bit i was talking about with like Candyman versus uh what's his face beetlejuice yeah and it's like you know the joke is that the worst thing you can say about a black guy is like it might be wait like historically white people on the other hand whole laundry list whole fucking laundry list of like enslavement sex trades all these things yeah. it's like them on the other hand not so much <laughs> Clean bill. Yeah. <laughs> Clean b- report You showed card. up 10 minutes late. Fuck. White <laughs> <laughs> guy? Uh, well, we have history books about what they did. Right. Yeah. We can tell you all about it. I think there... We need to talk more about NPR kids. Yeah. I think, because we are... I didn't know you were one, and I should have known, and there's more of us out there. Yeah. And I think it was a good... Like a good foundational background noise. Yeah. Pretty good. I think it contributed to who we are. Yeah. And car talk. Not that I know much about cars. Neither but, do I. But it feels like I should know I more. I should more. Like I, I should know a lot more. But I, I was... Was I listening? I guess looking back, I was... Because I don't remember anything about cars, but I was absorbing all the content. I'm guessing I was enamored by the personality yeah like i mean everyone was but yeah you didn't that was what was so i guess cool about that show that transcended 
the community was no one you did not have to care about cars their dynamic was enough yeah i mean greg and rob are like that i i fucking love watching them work it's so cool like the fact they're that in sync is just insane to me yeah and the what's funny is i think that if people were going to a show and watching them they would think it was easier because you're up there not alone yeah but it's way fucking harder to have to control for someone else uh, i mean like at least for me like i i did a competitive powerpoint competition this week <laughs> like i gave them my powerpoint i got theirs it was supposed to be like the theme is get rich quick and i had like i had rehad as my opponent he didn't get the memo that was get rich quick so it was just some random thing <laughs> and it's like I have no idea what to do with this. The only thing I know is that it has the N-word in it a lot, and Sam Haddis is one of the <laughs> judges on it. So anytime that comes up, I'm just going to put the mic in front of him, and that's that's going to be the joke. That's, that's, that's going to be the punchline. Yeah. yeah. Just give How the mic to, to Sam. That... <laughs> Sometimes and a punchline is the absence of a punchline. Yeah, and it's just like... I had that, and then for Rehad, I had like this weirdly thoroughly researched thing about how to turn mormonism into a nuclear power <laughs> it's like okay get your sister wives go to utah get more of them there there's a ton of them there start the mines they have precious metals finally they have uranium take over the west coast <laughs> that is how you, for the listeners at home this is how you build nuclear power through the mormons yeah exactly the mormon church we have to use them somehow well it was like a whole thing like you can sell children because you have so many wives when they're not working in the mines, they're pregnant, sell the kids, sell the kids anywhere you can. You have blackmail now. You have blackmail. You, <laughs> you, have, you have everything you need. You have powerful allies, whether or not they want to be. And it's just a whole thing in like how to take over the West Coast as a Mormon. What, I guess Scientology is using that playbook. I mean. Or trying to. Yeah. But Tom Cruise, out of hiding from Scientology yeah. for Top Gun. He's blessing us. But is he... I guess he was never retired. He was just quiet. Like, he did the just Mission doing... Impossible stuff. That was about it. Yeah. I never keep tabs with Mission Impossible. I never really keep tabs on Tom Cruise. Yeah. But I just... I keep tabs on who gets lost to Scientology. Like, I am very much... I'm excited for Leah Remini and her renaissance. She's coming back after being under their toil. Have you seen her doing the Wendy Williams show? No. She, so she's been back on, I forget, with some other funny co-host. But she's like being herself from like King of Queens or whatever her character was, which was like sort of similar to herself, yeah. like a caricature of her. But she's her like goofy New York-y, like sort of sassy humor yeah. on fucking daytime TV. And she's actually being like dirty and like pretty off the cuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, this woman... I bet is rocking it right now because she's like untouchable. Like yeah. she's kind of been under the like the a fucking cult reign for X years and she already looked bad and was humiliated yeah. by doing it. So she's kind of like, okay, I have nothing to lose. Like I already kind of self-sabotaged my career just by doing all of that and like losing my whole fucking psychological freedom. I wonder if she's like less hinged, like kind of how Louis C.K. probably after cancellation, if yeah. you if you feel more free. And you get to be a better artist because you're kind of like speaking from the grave. Don't know. I just want to see John Travolta again. I know. Like, 
Where every is other been? man in America, I love Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, like Get Shorty was a great movie. Uh, fuck, I even liked him in Hairspray. Also, <laughs> the fact that um, Freddie Prinze tried to kill him. Yeah. That no one fucking talks about. Nope. That is the my favorite part of the Comedy Store docuseries, for sure. I still haven't watched it. Oh, my God. I downloaded it when I had COVID, and I was just... Like, I tried watching it the first couple of days, but my head was just bouncing. So I was just in and out. And yeah. I saw little clips of it, and it's just like, I have no idea what's happening. And it's important enough where you have to actually devote your attention, yeah. so you just turn it off. So, and like, like, And then I just never came back to it. Yeah. When you obviously get the attention again, you know, to obviously fucking watch it. Mm-hmm. But that's, to me, the best part, because everything else is pretty, like, generally predictable or like we know the we kind of know the inside outs of like there's the mythos yeah and we also knew about everyone lining up for the open mics like we knew about that craziness that other people didn't know about but the the behind the scenes stuff is cool because like i don't know i just don't think it's we'll ever get to a point like comedy isn't the romantic sense of comedy of everyone doing cocaine and like drinking and like like i just don't feel like that exists anymore and we joke about it in comedy, like on stage, if we're hosting, we're like, oh, we need money for Coke. And like, yes, yeah. we all fucking do drugs and drink. But it's it's really a far cry from what you hear of the stories oh, of the yeah. comedy store. Like, it's just not. So getting to hear about it is really makes me uh, jealous. Well, one of the things that still gets me about all the old stories is basically if you're doing comedy even moderately well. Like you, could, you had a sitcom. Yeah. Not not even just that. It's like, you know, you could do that as a job. Yeah. And that, like... You could do spots for money and live a healthy life. Yeah. Which is nuts. And now everyone and their mother wants to be a comedian. Especially after the pandemic hit. Oh, it, my God, yeah. And I know I'm one of those pandemic yeah, starters, but, but... You're actually funny. So there's <laughs> that. But I know so many people, like... Uh, there's a few people I know in particular. I'm not going to name drop here. It's like, this is not for you. Like, yeah. I don't want to be that guy, but this is definitely not your cup of tea. Right. You, you've gotten booked on a couple of shows, but it's like, I can already see where you're at, and it's not great. Right. It's What's maddening, too, is a lot of the people that do start, or the post-pandemic starters that aren't me, <laughs> I'm fine, but everyone else sucks. Um, yeah. No, but the people who start are typically people who have a decent following on social media, yeah. and then they get legit spots. And you're like, wait, what? Like, you don't know how to write a joke. Like, yeah. I've met, or a lot of my friends have gotten snuffed out of spots for someone who bombed and ate shit, who has a gorgeous following. And yeah. it's like, those are brutal stories to hear, but I'm hoping that... The problem is, like, will this last? Will those people continue to get booked, uh, like, without people seeing their real jokes? Or do people start to understand and start to... Because the problem is, like, the 45... Like, let's say you're 45. You've been doing comedy for 20 years. You see someone's Instagram page that they... Like, they have... 10 that let's say 10 to 20,000 followers doing comedy and you look at them you're like oh they must have a following like a real following and so you book them will they will the producers learn after this cycle of booking those people and then bombing or does it continue because they always want to give 
I mean, good spots. The best example I have was uh, was one of the last times I was at Hyenas Comedy Club in Fort Worth. They got like these like this comedy group from uh, YouTube. They had like a million plus followers, all that shit. Yeah, and like they were doing sketches and stuff. They didn't know how to do comedy. Well, they sold out the room uh, for five shows. And it seats like two, three hundred people. So the club is making a ton of money. But like people were leaving during the show. It was so bad. Dude, that's brutal. And meanwhile, you have all the comics who are sitting on the wing watching the show going. They got booked. Right. Like how? But you, we know how, and that's yeah. the maddening part well, is we know exactly and how. And the worst part is the economics for the club says they need to book them again. Right. They go, oh, it sold out. Yeah, and it Perfect. sold out again and again and again and again. Right. So we it just, just keeps pay- getting rewarded. Yeah, we just paid the rent on this building for the next six months from them. And the problem, too, is like at the end of the day, it does dilute the art of comedy. Like the more... It, it like I hate to be the person who is it sounds like I'm like promoting gatekeeping, but there is there has to be some artistic gatekeeping, not well, social gatekeeping. But like it, there really does have to be like I know yeah. everyone hates the producer who's strict, but the the Estes of the world and like the Mitzi Shores who actually booked for their taste. Also, like, I it's, wanna, it's one thing that's always been weird to me. Male-dominated industry. The upper echelon totally run by women. women. Yeah. So fascinating to me, too. Yeah, I like, you have Essay, you have uh, fucking Mitzi Shore. Uh, back in my hometown, like, the biggest comic there is a woman. Like, right. The, like, every scene that I've been in, there's always been a woman who is... Like a matriarchy. Not, yeah, it's like... If she isn't the top, she's pretty damn near close in the area. Right. Or if she isn't the top, she at least has a social power yeah. that no one can access. That, like, over that club or that, like, city or something. Yeah. That you're like, whoa. Like, that is so... What's crazy to me about the fact that women do hold these, like, positions of power in comedy, it makes it even more interesting that it is such a male... right like male dominated for the actual comics but i think that's more of the factor i think that's more a product of more men feel more confident to get on stage because more men have been doing comedy for longer on bigger screens the representation of it all there's the representation another thing is is i feel like being a guy like humor is such like you have like the basic friend dynamic like the group, you have like kind of like sporty guy. You have the like smart guy, and you have the funny guy. Like right, you look at the it's cast. M- yeah, it's like in every group of guys, like you always have like kind of that dynamic. Even like amongst comics, you have like the funny comic in the group, yeah. you have the smart comic in the group. You have the storyteller. Like you right, have each one of those people, and especially within like male groups, like. Being the funny guy is like a holy spot to be in. Yes. And 
the people around those male groups yeah. know that. Like yeah. everyone knows who the funny guy is yeah. because they're lauded by the friend group. That's like exactly. everyone knows it's Joe. Like it's that, I mean, that's the reason why a lot of people get into comedy because you're the right. funny one in your group. Yeah. I think also families work out like that, too. Oh, yeah. With like the funny sit. Like, I think as the middle child, I was able to be like, OK, I'm going to be the fucking class clown here. I was the youngest of two. So it's just like I still remember grandfather's funeral. It's my birthday, too. I'm 12 years old. I turned 12 that day. Oh. I don't remember what I said, but I cracked a joke as we were driving away. No one liked it. I did. <laughs> I brought mitzvah. I made a crack about the, like, my portion of the tour was the founding of the religion. And it's like, same guy who told him to cut off his foreskin told him to kill his son. Maybe not the best choice of reason. <laughs> Dead silence, except for my senile grandmother who didn't know what day of the week it was. Everyone was out. Everyone was like, "We're worried about Joe," and you're like, "Guys, I'm gonna be a comedian. It's fine." I didn't know that then. <laughs> yeah, when I, uh, it, uh, in the topic of just being us jackasses our whole lives, yeah. and then finding comedy and making it okay, um, I we went to London. Uh, I went to London with my family, and we weren't we didn't travel a ton. That makes yeah. me sound very like I went to London with my family. It was like a big deal. And um, do you call vacations after like the season of the year? No. Okay. No, you, I'm not that way. Yeah. I'm I'm Guido. You know, yeah. like I I live in I can hold my own in the waspy white world and like in the I feel like I I have friends who grew up with way more money than me. Yeah. I grew up like a I would say us I was grew up with the let's say the means of like a, a classic middle class. Yeah. But I was among the upper middle class. So my parents were like walking the walk to get yeah. us to like do all the things, but like we weren't super liquid. So like we weren't, yeah. I wasn't summering anywhere. I wasn't going on ski trips. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, they got us to like, okay, we're going to be able to like, we're going to get you to like have some tutors and stuff, yeah. but like, you're not going to be, you're not going to know how, you're going to have to worry about how much flight costs when you go to college. Like we're going to get you to a place where you can go to a good school, but like, you're going to have to figure out that money thing. So, I, like, it was a good position. For me, but. it was, like, I didn't realize I was poor growing up until, like, I got to college and I saw people who were middle class. Right. But it was, like, I uh, I grew up with, like, people who were, like, intellectual. Like, my mom was would read, like, three or four books a week. Right. And a my, lot of cultural capital. Yeah, and my dad is a history buff. So, it was just, like, I had that always encourage like uh, my grandparents on my dad's sides were teachers, all this stuff. So I grew up around like being smart and all that. And it's like, I like I used to get invited to like some of the hoity toity events because I worked at a museum. Yeah. At one point, and it's just like, I, I just love coming in, dressing a t-shirt and shitty jeans, uh, shoes that are like worn down, kind of dirty. And it's just like, Oh, I think that like the uh, brush strokes of Rembrandt's later work is, <laughs> and it's just like I love pulling that shit out, or like uh, especially since I like managed a kitchen at like a high end restaurant. It's just like I I would come and dress like shit, and it's like uh, it's like uh, I'd start naming cheeses and like wine years, things like that. Like what what was the terroir like in this area? Like, cause it seems yeah. a little bit off, a little bit ashy in the flavor. And she's like, I love being able to pull that out while still being a dirt bag piece of shit. Yes. You get the duality, yeah. which is fun of being like, no, I can cosplay as rich when I want yeah. to. But at the end of the day, I'm not like these people. Oh, it's like, I, 
so like my manager, general manager at work, he's one of those people who likes everyone to know he uh, he knows about food and things like that. And it's just like I I'll talk to him about like certain like he knows restaurants and things in New York. And then it's just like I'll since I worked at like a cheese shop for a while. It's like uh, they're trying to build a charcuterie board. And it's like I'm just naming off like cheeses that we can add. Yeah. To. He has no idea what I'm talking about. And it's like I thought you knew about food. Thought you knew about food. Yeah, man. dunk. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I love being able to pull that out, and then it's just like I'm gonna go make a dick joke now. See you later, squares. Yes, being like that is how I get off to a certain extent of intellectually stunting on people. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's also really fun because we're sort of goofy comics. And then when you get to show, like I can, when I'm on stage, I know when I'm breaking out of like one character for the other. Yeah. And I'm like playing with the goofiness and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to be smart for a second. Yeah. And that is like, I hate to say, like it makes me sound so fucking annoying. It's one of my favorite things in the world to just be like, I'm going to play dumb and then I'm going to know, I'm going to be somewhat well read. Well, like You fuckers. Like uh, I, I had one joke about like, I'm dumb. My parents are dumb. Like, my mom used to, she didn't listen to, like, modern music, so she used to pronounce Beyonce's name as Beyonce. <laughs> uh, so it's just like, yeah, I mentioned that on stage. She said, like, ah, oh, yeah. I was really excited when Beyonce got married to Jay's. And it's like, ah, oh, that gets a good laugh. And I talk about being stupid. And then I have, like, a whole bit about, like, Mark Twain. Like, he wrote the most American novel ever just because it's a white guy saying the N-word over and over. <laughs> Those were the parameters for making and the it's most just like, American. And then I have like a bit like I saw a sign for a lost bird. I'm pretty sure it's free. I'm pretty sure Maya Angelou wrote about this. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, I read the book. I read the poems, but uh, I'm more concerned with the title and the fact that this exists. Right. Yeah. I'm appropriating this for the associations yeah. of the joke. Like being able to just use it now for something as frivolous as comedy is yeah. like fun. Like. Uh, I, 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 if I have a joke about a particular topic, I will research that. Like, I've been trying to write a George Washington Carver joke for three years. And you're still researching. He saved America from the Dust Bowl. <laughs> and you're still in the research phase. But that's also, like, most comics, which is the fun part, or, like, that's when I realized I was among... Uh, my people yeah. is when I was chatting with people who would go on stage and make fucking dick jokes and then get off and we would get completely deep about something sort of intellectual. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, we're all the fucking same f- fucking person. Well, I, the thing that I found is most of the time the funniest people telling the like weirdest off-kilter jokes on stage when they get off, it's like, oh no, they're like really smart. Like I remember... Right, the most sober, lucid, like... Well, like, Rehod is one of my best examples because, like, uh, one of the first times I met him, I was just like, he's just some high guy on stage. And then, like, uh, we got into a conversation about movies, and then he's just, like, insanely knowledgeable about it to an extent that I can't even touch. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, where did this come from? I fucking love that. And it's like, just like, I I got to hang out with this guy more. Right. He's just, like, a misdirect. Yeah. Like, his whole person is a misdirect. That's, like... Also, I think that's where we operate at a frequency that makes it uncomfortable to be around people who don't necessarily think that way. Yeah. Of like, 
I generally want to be in conversations where we go way off the deep end. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I want to be, I want to hear about your fucking chihuahuas, sisters, friends, cousins, bodega cashier, and the the theory that you have around his life. I want to hear all of that. And if you if you think that's weird, you know what I mean? If you yeah. want to stay in a surface level small talk, we can't. And most people do actually, people pretend they hate small talk, but most people, given the chance to go deeper in a conversation, don't actually want to go deeper. And that's oh. where the comics, I'm like, let's fucking rock. Uh, small talk thing always got me where people say they don't like small talk. And it's like, there's always that thing like talking about the weather. It's like, no, that's one of the most interesting things in the world. It matters every day how the weather is. That determines everything about the that's day. That's true. And it's just like, oh, you don't think that's interesting? You don't think that like the world you live in affects you at all? You fucking asshole. It's also, <laughs> sorry to do a little callback for yeah. listeners, it's similar to starting on stage with a situational joke. Yeah. It's literally just going to your audience and being like, all right, let's get on the same page here. Yeah. What do we have in common? The fucking sky. Yeah, we're we're both outside. We've been outside today. Right. We have this together. Right. Let's move on from there. Right. And if you don't do that, you generally, what do you do? You give a compliment, yeah. right? Like then you're doing like a, a phenotype, like an appearance joke, let's yeah. say. It's kind of like, you're just situating and getting right. Like you're getting comfortable and finding your audience out in those questions. But generally speaking, we feel annoyed by having to do that. Yeah. But we can't really, why you wouldn't just walk into a conversation with someone and start chatting about your day. I typically do that and it's, I apologize for it. Yeah. You know, I, I hate the question. How's it going, man? Because either you want me to probably lie or you are waiting for me to unload. Yeah, yeah. one or the other. And one answer is honest and yeah. one is just what we need to do for the script. Like, even if it is going great, like I want to tell you how great it's going. Right. In and, either direction, it's yeah. going to be a, a dump yeah. like, of info. Uh, like, one of my coworkers, like, after I got booked for, like, I have seven shows this week. I I have seven, seven, seven. And it's just like, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. And right. then it's just like, you right. know what's up? Yeah. And then you don't say it. Yeah. It's like, you can't. And it's like, I had to reel back. It's like, I got, I have a bunch of stuff happening this week. I'm just really excited about it, man. That's what, um, I've been hosting at the comedy cellar at, at fat black on mm-hmm. Mondays, which it's like, I'm not past at the comedy cellar. Like, I want to be clear. I'm, I just get to host. Um, and so I, people have been like, what have you been up to? Cause I've been just like busy doing that stuff and like whatever. And be like, what are you up to? I'm like, I'm not going to open with the newest update, which is I'm hosting at comedy cellar every week. Cause one, it makes it sound like I'm past, which I'm not trying to get away with yeah. some sort of credit that I don't deserve. And two, it makes it sound like I had it at the ready, yeah. which is also weird. And then, th- like, there's just no way saying good information is going to take you into a direction of self-indulgency that you don't want to go. Yeah. And then, like, going in the bad direction takes you also in a place of self-indulgency yeah. because now you have to treat me for whatever happened to me. Yeah. Now you have to be my therapist, and I'm inviting you to do that. There's... Uh, 
I guess we're saying there is a purpose of small talk. Yeah. Maybe it's somewhat necessary. I don't like, but like I like the beginning of small talk and that it leads to things. I hate the fucking stoppage. You can't hang out in the, if you, you have to be able to get past the, the first few notes. Yeah. But I, I like having the long drawn out conversations. Like, yeah. I don't know about you growing up, but for me, there was hardly any time the place was quiet. If it was, that was a bad thing. Right. Someone was dead or dying. Right. So, like, we associate quiet with bad things. Yeah, there was that. There was anger, whatever. Yeah. And it's just like... Me too. And it's like... I mean, right now, we've been talking for over three hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. I feel like I just blacked out. Exactly. See, this is what I like to do. I know. This is the best. Right? Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's been fun. Uh, yeah, it's like I I like having those conversations just because like if I call my folks like I have to set aside time. It's like yeah. I hate when people say like yeah, I I really don't like having to call my parents because then it's like a fifteen twenty minute conversation. Bitch, I wish it was. <laughs> I wish we could keep it succinct. Like like I it's like if I'm like on a jog, that's when I call them because it's like. Now I know I'm going to be on this jog for a good amount of time. I'll be out there yeah. for like two hours now. I always talk to my mom when I'm on my walks in the morning. Yeah. Like that's the, the like habit pairing I've done. Because I'm like, we don't stop at 10 minutes. We, we're always fucking gabbing, talking yeah. shit for an hour. And I need something to do on these walks that's that transports me through the walk. Like yeah. the podcast is great, but I'm not going to come back and be like, that walk was nothing. Where did the time go? Whereas, like, when you're literally talking, the time yeah. fucking flies. So I'm like, okay. Uh, is like, even my brother and I, like, I, like, three days ago, I called him just to chat because it's like, uh, talking about, like, movies and shit like that. That was the beginning of a three and a half hour long conversation. On the phone, not FaceTime? No. Just talking on the phone. And it's just like, yeah, we just do that in my home growing up. I need to get better. So, like, with the way the Irish-Italian broke down is, like, we got all the charisma from the Italians. We're crazy. Like, we're crazy performative. But we got the Irish sort of, like, the... I'm, like, not very affectionate. I don't give, like, hugs. I'm very, like physically awkward and we're also awkward with expressing emotion so like I've never been one of those and it's weird with sisters because like I was I would see other people on Instagram being like me and my sisters like kissing hugging and I'm like that's just not the relationship we have like we just come from Irish Catholic stock which is just like a quick quip and like that's the love you get. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just not as touchy-feely. And in, in fact, it's embarrassing to be touchy-feely. Like, we joke if we're going to give each other a hug or we say thank you in an accent, which I think is why I always dip into characters because yeah. it's I'm uncomfortable saying something um, because we learned to communicate through humorous ways because being sincere is embarrassing. Yeah. And so... I got that part from my mom's side and I... It's weird. I have like all the emotional vulnerability, like it's out there from the Jewish side. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. I can talk about it all day. 
it's going to take a lot for, like, in a relationship, it's going to take a lot for me to say I love you or even I like you. Right. Yeah, it's just closed off right there. I don't want to hug. No. Right. Uh, I'm crying. Don't touch me. Yeah. But, like, yeah. It's, but I'll talk about it all right. day long. And you'll have your passion on your sleeve yeah. because you have the emotional like availability there, yeah. but like you don't have the means to like communicate it in a way that's exactly. comfortable. And like, so with my sisters and I, I want to get in a place where, and we have been getting better at this where we just call each other up. Yeah. But like, that's not a natural thing to just be like, Hey, what are you doing? But now that we live in different cities, we actually have to. If we want to, like, if we want a relationship, we're going to yeah. have to fucking be in each other's lives. And so it's kind of an awkward thing to, like, start doing of, like, starting those calls, but you have to do it and then it gets more normal. I think one of the other things for me is the fact that, like, I have extended family, like, on my mom's side, especially good Irish Catholic folks. They breed like rabbits, like fucking rabbits. Like, that side of the family, between them and the Czechs, literally make up, like, a quarter of one town in Texas. Yeah. So it's fucking huge. Right. But, like, I don't know any of them. And yeah. my dad's side of the family is so small, and I barely know any of them. Like, I know my uncle, my aunt, I met on the day that I was born, and one time when I was three. Like, his sister. That's I it. talked to her on the phone a couple of times. I had no idea what I was supposed to talk about. I was like, hey, talk to your Aunt Robin. It's like, I don't fucking know this bitch. Yeah, like, who is she? But yeah, it's that. So it's just like. Give me the I bio have, first. <laughs> it's just like, when I'm talking to my family or like, as I said before, like the close-knit group. It's like, yeah, I have that. Why do I want all these other things? Like, I can talk yeah. for hours on end with just like a couple of people. We throw in like five people and it's all of a sudden just, eh. Right. Like, I don't need to. All right. This person can keep up a marathon pace with a conversation. You, not so much. Yeah. Like, I need, I need people who will be able to talk for hours. That's also the tough thing about family, too, which sucks, is you get to an age where you realize you don't know a lot of the cousins or, like, or people that you thought you knew in your family just because, like, you're close in proximity or because of blood. Yeah. And then when you actually talk to them or see something they post on social media, you're like, I don't actually know you very well. I mean, like, I've known you forever, but I don't know you deeply. I mean, I wish I didn't know what, like, my aunt and cousins, like the ones I know on my mom's side, were like after they post up a bunch of shit on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I wish I didn't know. For but, a lot of them. Let's just say, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have the same rights they do nowadays. Like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe they shouldn't be able to get married. Uh, uh, blue lives matter. Uh, like, black... Was so in a, painful. Yeah, it's just like, hey, uh, you held me when I was a baby. Right. It's I've known weird. you since then. Holy fuck. It's weird. It's like you have this intimate relationship with people that you have nothing in common yeah. with. Yeah. But you have everything in common. You have your DNA. Yeah. But like, but I know them less than their friends know them, some of them. Yeah. Which is odd. I, yeah. Also like, uh, Italians or Irish people, uh, I don't know if I have generalizations to make. I just think that like uh, with the Italians they a lot of us 
think we're so emotionally intelligent because we're so emotional. Yeah. And it's like those aren't necessarily the same thing. You still have to build the muscle to communicate to your family. Like it's not enough to just live within the same 10 miles and be like, we're glued. Blood is thicker than water. It's like, have you asked your ex-family member how they're doing like in a real way like we we get to be like oh we're so in touch and we're so like open with our feelings and it's like are we open with our feeling like are we open with our feelings or just a handful right or are we just superficial with like being performative about those emotions of like are we out like maybe we're just outgoing that doesn't necessarily mean we're actually better in touch with each other or more communicative i i mean I still remember when my dad started to say uh, love you at the end of phone calls. This is like a few months ago. And at first I was worried and it's like, no, I'm just trying to be more open. Yeah. And it's just like part of me sincerely just went, it's weird and gross. Yeah. Love you too. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other part of you is like so proud of them for doing that little thing yeah yeah because i know how much it takes for my dad to verbalize an emotion i mean like my dad's a 70 year old man basically like they didn't men didn't have emotions up until like white men don't jump like that was that was like when we started to be people right so like let's cut them some slack yeah on like this is his first go around at like he didn't know he had to say i love you you know what i mean like it's just um the, it's just them not they were doing what they needed to do they were following the script yeah. by not showing the emotion and now the script's changed on them which kind of sucks Yeah. but like my dad it's funny you say that recently too I guess in the last few years maybe but I've been the one to be like love you and then he'll say love you too Yeah. and I'm like oh baby's growing up like he can actually it's say so it it's so weird it's weird seeing your parents grow up is weird it's weird it's uncomfortable right one of the, one of the things that gets me now is like I I understand my parents more than ever. Yeah. Like even like my dad, like every dad ever weird fascination with tools and flashlights because it's just like Yeah. It comes out of nowhere and it's like, "Well, no, this is useful for the people around me and myself." Right. I can be helpful. This is how I'm going to show that I'm helpful and I care about people. <laughs> Acts of, what is it? Acts of service. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was like the only thing guys could do for the longest time. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that, like, your dad, like, fixing your bike is him saying. Is love. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Like, my dad was always, like, the cook. He always had, like, the flashlights and tools. Like, I remember he was so excited when he picked up a lantern that was on clearance at Academy. And he was just like, look what I got. If there's if there's a blackout, we're fine now. <laughs> it's like were we not before? We have thirty seven other flashlights. And it's like that's him showing love. Yeah, like truly him, or he doesn't even know it, but he's yeah. connected in his mind that like doing making yourself more industrious and resourceful for the family is how you start showing love. Yeah. in different ways, even if it's not as targeted of like. Yeah. Here's your bike being fixed. It's still like bringing that light for him probably communicates to himself that he's doing something for him. He never fixed my bike. <laughs> I didn't have a bike. Because you're poor. Uh, no, I just <laughs> never cared to learn. I didn't <laughs> ride a bike until I was 18. Really? Like, that's when I learned how to ride a bike. That's a good fun fact. Do you use that? 
Uh, yeah, I just two truths and a lie. Yeah, just because everyone knows how to ride a bike, I ride one like a five-year-old with not too much confidence, like a five-year-old who like knows that he's gonna get screamed at when he gets home for some (laughs) reason. So, do you do the city bikes? Uh, I've done them on occasion, but not usually. Yeah, they freak me out. I have done them, but then last year I got like a car, like a rear view mirror hit me in the back and I was in the bike lane, like truly dead behind someone else completely in the bike lane. I, there was no part of me that was doing anything weird and it just smacked me on the back and I was like, I am humble brag. So light such that that really almost swapped me off into another car. And I'm like, I, I got PTSD for a minute. I mean, one of my, uh, coworkers got hit so bad. Like, he couldn't stand up straight for about three months without pain. Oof. Yeah. He ended up splayed on the hood of a car that went through a red light. And then one of my roommates, he just had the worst luck. He got hit three times in like a few months. I would get hit by a mirror while I was in the bike lane or uh, he would come off a curb and person wouldn't see him and pull in their car like... He, that one he didn't get hurt on, but like it still though, like tore up the front of his bike, like wheel was bent and everything, and just a traumatic experience. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, this seems like the worst place to be a biker. Yeah, it a- it actually feels like the worst place to be I mean, a biker. I've, I've driven in this city and it's terrible. Yeah, I like city driving though. See, it's I'm a, a gamified to I, me. I, I'm a yeller in the car i grew up in texas where you're on the highway all the time so it's just like you yell in the car no one hears it here i was working with this production company out of long island it was this shitty fucking van with old brakes barely worked and i still remember i was in it with like something like seven eight thousand pounds of equipment and it's just me in traffic screaming. There are people looking at me from the sidewalk. <laughs> and it's just like, this is how I vent. It's nothing against anyone here. Right. And it's just like, if I didn't do this, people would be dead. Right. This is how I healthfully get it out. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys don't believe this. This is me being healthy right now. Like, Doctors call it scream therapy. They usually say do it at subway cars passing by. I'm doing this at traffic in front of me. Right. It's just to pick your poison thing. I always, and I had to stop doing this because I heard a scary story. I always flip people off when I'm either driving or walking and a car is like, like speeding into me. I'm always flipping the bird. And then someone told me, she was like, it's my boyfriend's fucking my boyfriend's cousin's girlfriend, yeah. she was telling me her mom was in a car with her, like, friends. Yeah. And they flipped off a guy, like, in another car. They cut yeah. them off or something. And the guy sh- takes out his gun, like, immediately and shoots a shotgun. And they literally, like, cartoon, like, apparently bent down, like, the three of them in the backseat, like, bent, and he shot the gun, like, over them. Jesus. And I was like, I gotta fucking watch it. Yeah. It's Uh, not worth it. What got me here was, like, I was getting flipped off by other drivers who thought I was yelling at them. Like, the ones beside me or anything. It's like, motherfucker, I'm trying to get into the lane. Jesus goddamn fucking... No, no, you're good. No, no, no. Thank you. Hey, enjoy your weekend. Say hi to your mother for me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
I I remember when I first moved to New York, I was outside the Strand, and I was just looking at, you know how they have the shelves yeah. of books on the sidewalk? I was just looking at those, and some guy runs into me, and he goes, watch where you're fucking standing. And then immediately afterwards, like, two, three seconds, he goes, sorry, I have anger issues, I'm working on them, and walks away. <laughs> Welcome to New York. I, I've been here for, like, less than a week at that point. It's just like, okay. That's... That is the vibe, though. Well, it's like I, I completely understood him in yeah. that moment. It's just I, also, that's the thing about New Yorkers that I think is misunderstood is like they're very passionate people. They're not very angry. If you get them on one emotion or the other, you're just going to really emphasize it. I well, my thing is is that as a collective group, New York is very angry individuals some of the nicest people i've met in the world like i i had like this uh one guy like show me how to get around on the subway when i first got here like on the cars didn't have anything and my gps was fucked up like he's like you got a piece of paper yeah okay so take this stop to here to here it's like him and his family are there and it's like they're just helping me out getting to the right place and like we're just standing on the subway and it's like Hey, this is uh, the stop you need to get off of. You want to take the one that says downtown. It's like, oh, well, these are nice people. It's You know what it is? It's not that they're nice. They're kind. Yeah. Like, they won't bullshit you with pleasantries, but they will actually worry about you. Yeah. Or, like, if, you, if you're, for some reason, the fucking victim on the sidewalk, someone will be the person to punch someone else in the face for you. Yeah. Or one day you will be the person getting punched in the face. Either way, there are people looking out for you. They're I, just not saying, hey, how are you, sweetheart? Yeah. It's it's something I respect. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's aggression. It's just like we. it's an aggressive culture, and that aggression can go any dire- yeah. like direction. It could be good for you. It could be bad for you. Yeah. You could be on the other end of that aggression, or you could be the aggressor. Either way, it's going to be intense. Yeah. But like when people, if someone asks me a question, I can go from "fuck you, you fucking piece of shit on the fucking meat, don't fucking cock a suck of this," and then I can be like, "Oh wait, you needed to get to Union Market? Like, oh, just get down first, take that left." Like, yeah, you can be so you can have multiple personalities just because of the aggression that it takes. Uh, I mean, I was on a phone call one time, and this guy goes through like a double line right in the. It's like double line. It's not a turn. It's just like a walking space. Guy almost hits me with his car. Like he clips the edge of my jacket. And it's just like, what are you, a fucking retard? Who let you out on the street, you piece of human garbage? <laughs> and I'm just cursing at him. And I go back to talking on the phone. It's like, so anyway, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. But I, just one emotion directly into another. It's like, oh, I get these people. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're family. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is my place. I belong here. That's, I love it. When I first moved here, I mean, I'm from here, but like moved here, actually. Um, We were walking, me and my roommates, and uh, there was this guy on the sidewalk being like, that's just me. I'm crazy. And he's like screaming. And he's like, 
asking for money. And yeah. I have a bleeding heart and I typically yeah. always, I, I can't just like walk by that kind of thing. Even though, and also being here for a week too, I wasn't as yeah. calloused. And so I was, I like stop. And it actually turned out that he wasn't, he was at Baked by Melissa. Yeah. Okay. Trying to buy fucking cupcakes. Yeah. And he couldn't use his cash that he had. They only had credit card because yeah. now it's the opposite of everyone wanting cash. Yeah. Um. So he literally just needed someone to just literally pay for it and he would give them the cash. So he was just a normal guy who was getting so frustrated because he couldn't yeah. get the attention of anyone and he was probably on the way to a birthday party. And yeah, some, these... uh, getting like cupcakes. Right, he was yeah. probably like on his way somewhere and my friends are looking at me and they're like, what are you doing? Like, don't stop for him. And I'm like, I really just like can't not stop. What does this man need? Uh, he ends up being so sweet, was like so relieved. He was like, thank you, like, anyone and it turns out he was just being like a funny normal guy yeah. not like a deranged person on the sidewalk trying to antagonize yeah. people and it was so funny because i'll always remember that as like the first week of new york kind of like yeah. misunderstanding a little bit but also being right on the money in terms of like no like i think i can tell human nature when people are just normal new yorkers and when people are like actually a threat I think I'm doing better at being able to be like, no, you're yeah. normal guy, hard day, or yeah, you have some issues. Eh, that's part of living in this city. Like, yeah. you do kind of become callous, but you have to. Yeah. Just because there's so much that needs help here. Right. It's also, yeah, it's it sucks because you have to become desensitized to it because yeah. if you don't, it will actually really bother you. I mean... or. It not bother you. It gets you sad. I mean, my neighborhood looks like 1986 never left. It also, like, I think post-pandemic it does. It's worse. Oh, no, it, it looked exactly the same before the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, I... You can tell where gentrification ends in Bushwick because that's where I live. Like, I was living the in Chauncey a... Chauncey stop on the J. Uh, Myrtle Broadway. Okay. That's where it stops, people. That's... I, <laughs> My last apartment, which is up the block from where I live now, there was this place. There was a like fake dive bar at the bottom, and then a methadone clinic. It's like you can see right where it ends. Yeah, literally, the demarcation. Yeah. Of gentrification. It's like across the street, they have built a shanty town. Separate of gentrification, though, I do feel like there is more of a homeless crisis. Is this? Is this something that people have... I'm guessing people I, are researching this. I assume so. Like, I see... Like, in my neighborhood, there's definitely more homeless people than there used to be. It's yeah. Not that they're any worse, but there's definitely more homeless more people. More of, yeah. yeah. Like, I was at a... I was in D.C. this past weekend, and they... tip Like, when I was living there, there would be several, like, uh, tent cities. Yeah. And when I came back... This time around, there were a lot at Union Station, which I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Like, typically, it just hadn't gotten... it. No one was just in the front of Union Station. Like, I, I guess, I don't know. For whatever reason, that real estate hadn't been used. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, oh, interesting. And then I was on a walk, like, near where I used to live. And there was an even bigger tent city 
in a place that ha- there hadn't been one at all again. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is, this feels significant. Like there's always, there were always 10 cities, but there feels like it's not just more like they're not, they're getting larger. It feels like yeah. there actually are more people who are struggling. And that feels like no one is doing anything. Like more people I'm, are desperate. It's not just here either. Like my hometown, right. uh, there's this one uh, street called Camp Bowie. And once you get to one end of it, it was always like a small homeless population there. But the last time I was in Fort Worth back in September, like, it was a small town. See, that's Great Depression. Like, that's a shanty yeah, town, right? right? Like, that means to me, we are doing way worse than we think we are. Like, uh, we think we're, I mean, not that we think we are. Everyone knows we're not doing great as a nation. But at least in Depression era, we knew we were in Depression, where this feels like because people are able to still consume things, that yeah. we're fine. And it's like, no, it seems like, how cool is it to live in a penthouse if you have if you have people who are struggling right when you get down to the bottom to yeah. leave for work? We're only as strong as our weakest link. And it's like, you can't just sit up here in your high tower. I mean, this is me sitting in my apartment. Yeah. I, I'm completely speaking from a place of privilege. But... Um, I'm not going to say anything because my apartment, like, this is the size... Like my, I have a full kitchen and living room. Fuck you. So nice. $900 a month. Manhattan is like so demystified for me in terms of the fucking how much I'm paying for this location. It's like I I am now so Brooklyn curious, Queens curious because I'm just like no matter what, I'm getting on the train for comedy. I'm getting on the subway. I'm always in a displaced borough from where I live for what no matter what. So I might as well at least get the space and light. That's the reason why I uh, live in the place I live in. Like, I'm, I, I'm hardly home. I'm right behind you there. Like, I can't wait. I love living with my friends. Nothing to do with them. But Lower East lucky. Side. I became friends with my roommates. Yeah, yours yeah. are. Yeah, these are these are my college pals. Ah. So, um, I, we're easy to live with together, but I don't need this location anymore. Like, yeah. it just doesn't serve me. Like, when I moved here, I was engaging in the nightlife somewhat and so it was like oh yeah there is something to lower east side like this is putting me at in like the social nexus of the city and then when that dropped off for me i was like oh i really have no point now i'm just paying an arm and a leg yeah and it's i'm it's annoying i see i'm just scared if i move out of that apartment because like there's a new one that opened up across the street that wants like a thousand dollars more a month for the entire apartment and it's just like okay that's insane i'm gonna go live in a tenement building yeah with 17 other people in the same room (laughs) how's that it's yeah i did that when i first moved here like i the apartment we couldn't move in because one person uh who was gonna move in we're all coming from different places uh his mother went to the hospital so it was a week out so i was staying at an airbnb uh and everyone was there to be in the city it was in uh like crown heights it was a place that was maybe in total 50 percent bigger than this whole room and there were 
Let's see, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, then another. Yeah, there was like twenty people living in this apartment in Airbnb. Holy fuck! Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Oh yeah, it was. That's a nightmare. That makes me feel like I'm complaining about nothing. Uh, everyone. <laughs> the funniest part was most people were there for Skankfest. That's okay. Did you? I have a feeling Skankfest could come back to New York for its next time around. Did you I, see that Twitter poll? I did. What's the vote at now? Last time I looked, it was New York, but I I wanted to come back here. I do too, just because that would be good for me as a woman. Skank fest, I feel like yeah. could be a fun thing to be around. All the skanks, yeah, legion of skanks, legions, <laughs> legions. Damn, four hours, dude. What? We're nuts. This is we've. I cannot believe we've ate up four hours. It's right now. We're at, since we started recording three twenty nine. Oh, okay. My timing was off. Cause I, oh yeah, I guess we started at like five thirty. It's about uh five fifteen or so. Yeah. What time is it? You know, it's yeah, it's been close to four hours in total. Jeez. Hey, I like podcasts. Yeah. This is enjoyable. I like it. I hope we have enough for your people. I mean it's gonna be a two parter, but yeah. Anchor anchor only lets you upload three hours total. Okay, people, in my last half hour, I really just have to apologize, basically, for all the <laughs> generalizations I made because um, I don't want to get canceled before I get started. So just know, hey, uh, don't hold me accountable in the future for everything in this that does not hold up because most of it won't because most of it doesn't even hold up right now. And if anyone asks me about it... Uh this person made me say anything harsh or <laughs> terrible. Uh, really, people, it, women are the problem. She made me say all these things. <laughs> That's right. Women are the issue with everything. Thank and, you very much. <laughs> and um, And everyone else should know also that Joe will be editing this podcast. So everything that I say that's bad is actually Joe's fault because he likely took a sound bite from what I said. And I took off the end of it where she said, because he's a fucking Jew. <laughs> because that's what those dirty Italians say about us. He took out the part where I reamed him for controlling the weather. That's what, <laughs> that's what we took out of the small talk conversation yeah, was yeah. me reaming him for... It was 23 minutes of just Zionist theory. Mm. And and me being completely anti-Semitic. And he, and he edited out that all for me. Yeah, yeah. That was really sweet. Yep. <laughs> Those goddamn Italians just don't know when to keep their mouths shut. I mean, ain't that the truth, though? <laughs> I gotta stop shitting on Italians, though, because someone... I was at a mic and someone was like, I don't trust anyone who talks about their own people like that. And I was like, touche. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's greasy. It's I mean, greasy of me. Like I, I had to stop doing a bunch of the chew jokes just because it's like, I'm just coming off like, like an anti-Semite. <laughs> the only one I like to do now is like if they're, 
is like an open platform type of thing. Like anytime someone begins like, so I'm a Jew, it's just like, gross. <laughs> That's the only one I keep. We should end on that. That's yeah. the only one I should keep. <laughs> oh, it was good having yeah. you on. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Do we have anything? Do you need to plug anything? Uh, I don't. Do you want to plug anything? I guess just uh, follow me on Instagram, even though Instagram is killing us, at Kit Reynolds, K-I-T-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. All right, guys. Follow her on Instagram. Boom. That's the show. All right, people. It's finally the end of the second half of that podcast. Uh, I'm glad y'all listened. Uh, Come back soon for more. I'm not sure when, but hopefully soon. All right. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for listening.